0: I'm Max Temkin. And I'm Patrick Lubbock. and this is episode 17 of Rewatch Podcast. This week we are talking about episode 17 of Lost Numbers. There's no guests tonight. The numbers are are too great. The power is too much. Too much mythology. We have to talk couldn't about couldn't the handle. mythology. Also,
1: I think our our interview from last week will like. It was, it, was, it was good enough. I think yeah, I think it carries us through uh, two weeks. If you haven't listened to it, it was uh, a real pleasure to talk to to Patrick from the Leftovers, and uh, yeah, he. He's a really fascinating guy.
0: I enjoyed talking to him. Um, Now, uh, Patrick from The Leftovers, he works with uh, Damon Lindelof.
1: He does work with Damon Lindelof. On that program. They are in the middle of breaking out the end of the second season of The Leftovers, uh, which doesn't start shooting until sometime this spring, and then I think airs this summer, which seems like a quick turnaround, but it's not a show with visual effects,
0: really. So I guess maybe that's not that tough to do. Did... uh, did you ask Patrick if he would ask Damon Lindelof to come on our program? I didn't ask him. That seems, the like, a, podcast. That
1: seems like a step too far. I'll, I'll leave that to you. You can do it.
0: You think we should email him and be like, hey, man, thanks for the interview. Hey, just give us Damon's email. Yeah. We got it. Thanks. Hey, Patrick, thanks for the interview, man. It was pretty good. <laughs> We'd like to step it up a notch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how about a little, uh, How about you know, how about we hit the big leagues now, you know? Kill old Damon Lindelof, you were cool, partner. but. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, maybe when the, maybe I feel like, uh, maybe, maybe as we
1: reach the, the sprint towards the, uh, to the end of the season, maybe that's something we can,
0: well, he'll be, I mean, that's what I'm thinking too, is, as it gets a little closer to the summer, they may be promoting the leftovers. Yes. Let me see if there's a premiere date. Uh, okay. Well, while you do that, I will, uh, start with, uh, maybe we'll just start with some follow-up. I feel like we have a lot, we're going to have a lot to talk about this week and we got to do a spoiler chat, right? Definitely. Yeah,
1: he has a little bit of spoiler chat. Uh, okay. Yeah, especially given what's going on. Uh, no start date. Sometime this year. So. Okay. I don't know. We'll figure it out.
0: All right. Uh, oh, yeah. I went to PAX. We should talk about PAX. But mm-hmm. we, can, we can do that after follow-up. We get we no guest. We got all the time in the world. All right. Uh, uh, let's see. Oh, good. Some prawn follow-up from Adam. Adam writes in to say, hi, again. This may possibly be his second prawn email. I'm not sure. So now I've listened to the latest show, and I can try to help with this. And in the spirit of your as-live discussion, I'll go with what I know or with what I think I know rather than look it up. That's great. I, lo- I, love, I love
1: your tenacity. I appreciate your embracing it the way we do. And instead of being authoritative, right. it just
0: get more confusing. To be clear, I do want people to look it up and learn. I don't want to do it myself. I right, want but you I to do also encourage me.
1: just telling us what you think it is in your gut as mm-hmm. opposed to what it
0: actually is. Well, that's is. interesting, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Adam goes on. England and America, two nations divided by a common language. Here, shrimp are small, a curl on the nail of your little finger. They may be pink or brown, and the brown ones are particularly tasty. I used to live by the coast where they were incredibly cheap. Now I'm a lot further inland. All right, Adam, let's get to the point here. Prawns are bigger, and they also turn up as, quote, king prawns, bigger still. And the occasional... Cravette?
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. I'll I'll accept that.
0: Which might pass as a particularly small lobster, along with (gasps) langoustines. Uh, Langoustines bigger than prawns and with claws. Is he fucking with us? No, he seems like
1: someone who lived on the coast and maybe is a little more familiar with the variety. And
0: crayfish? Okay, I know what a crayfish is. Native British crayfish are in severe danger of being wiped out by bigger and more aggressive American incomers. Just saying. Interesting. I don't know if I've ever had a British crayfish. I've never heard the idea that a shrimp that shrimp slash prawn is an example of the pig slash pork thing, which I think came about here because the Anglo-Saxon English and the Norman French in, uh, existed alongside each other around a thousand years ago. I think that's accurate, and the oldish English uh, older English uh, terms used to be for both the animals and their meat, and the French terms have uh, stuck just for the meat only. But who knows? Wow, fascinating email on the shrimp versus prawns. I, I think I think it's just marketing, I guess. Honestly, uh, in fact. Have you seen uh, on Netflix the new series, the comedy series they're doing, uh, The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? It's really good. It's very good. It's very, did you like 30 Rock? Yeah, I'll, I'm definitely going to watch I'm in the midst of, t- I've been watching Friday the
1: 13th movies every night for the past two weeks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that sounds like a... I have to uh, rank them. Certainly a life choice. I have
1: to rank them. It's part of my job. And okay. I'm putting up a ranking. It's t- they're two Friday the 13th. What website is that for? Uh, something called Kotaku.com.
0: Kotaku.com. Yeah, we'll, we'll put, put it in the, in the show, show notes. notes. Yeah, yeah, that's nice of you.
1: Uh-huh. They need the traffic. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> well, they're doing, uh, th- Friday the 13th listicles, so. Hey, if you're going to yeah. do listicles, you might as well do ones that. Are you that- going to paginate them so that each one is on its own no, page? don't with do that. Ads. We don't do that. Oh, excuse me. Okay. Uh, all right. Oh, yeah. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. They had a joke about a fancy restaurant that was so fancy that instead of shrimp, they called them prawns. So maybe huh. it made me just think it's a marketing thing. The mystery continues. The mystery continues. It's uh, just like Lost. We we're unfolding it. I mean, if you really explained bit. it, it's like the midichlorians. Like it would, ruin, it would ruin the story. All right. You want to do this one? <laughs> I'll do this quick one from Trevor. Trevor, <laughs> uh, this is a tweet from Trevor. And he just tweeted uh, at us. Ethan Rom. Ethan is the the guy who uh, kidnapped Claire. We found out his, his name was, uh, Rom, his last name was Rom. Ethan Rom is an anagram of, quote, other man. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Yeah, sure. I accept
1: it. Uh, uh, Feel free to to come up with other anagrams for (laughs) for Ethan Rahm and let us know next week. What else can you come up with?
0: Uh, All right, I'm not not
1: good at anagrams. Why
0: don't you take this one from Hunter? And then I just I edited this a little bit. But remember, we asked people to send us to tell us what podcast they were listening to, and uh, Hunter was one of the people who sent us a list of podcasts. So you can yeah, uh, comedy
1: comedy 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 bang bang. Uh, you talking, you talking, you two to me with Scott Ackerman and Adam Scott, which actually that sounds like a great. It sounds awesome.
0: It's very silly.
1: Uh, and then, uh, yeah, dude, which I assume we're all part of the comedy bang bang sort of uh, circle I the, of I believe podcasts. Those are all the Earwolf. I think yeah. that's a lot of Scott Ackerman who runs Earwolf, which is basically a, a comedy podcast network. It does mm-hmm. a lot of really good stuff. I was listening to for a while. How did this get made? I think that's what it was called with. Um, oh, what's his name? How did this get made?
0: I can't help you here. I'm sorry. Uh, now, I, don't know um, why, I don't know why I'm coo- plug? blanking on his name. Oh, Paul Shear. I'll tell you another podcast. Hunter, if you're still listening, I have a great podcast for you. So It's called Rewatch Podcast. to listen to Lost every week. <laughs> I, he's already a listener. He already emailed us in. Oh,
1: uh, okay. Well, um, maybe, he just
0: likes to, maybe he just likes to tell people yeah, a you know, podcast Listen twice. To listen on two devices. It's good for our download numbers. All right. Uh no, it's an Earwolf podcast. It's uh it's over now. Uh, but if you heard in the news uh, recently, a guy named Harris Whittles, a comedian who uh, was right around Parks and Rec, passed away. He did a podcast on um on Earwolf with Scott Ackerman, uh, and it was just called uh it's uh it's uh Harris Whittles and Scott Ackerman, and it's called Analyzed Fish. It's an Earwolf podcast and super silly. Basically, the the entire episode is Harris Whittles, who's a huge fish fan, trying to convince Scott Aukerman to like fish. And Fish is not a good band, and Scott does not nope. like them. That, but it accurate. escalates from like, he just plays. So at the start, Harris just plays a bunch of Fish songs, and Scott's like, I don't like these. And then the next one, he asks Scott for. Because Fish plays like everything yeah so he asks scott ackerman like what are your favorite songs what are your favorite bands and then he makes like a fish playlist that's designed to cater to his tastes and tries to convince him that way and he still doesn't like it and then he's like well they're a live band you have to go see them live so they go to a fish concert still doesn't like it and then he's like well you haven't done drugs you can't go to a fish concert without doing drugs so they do some drugs and go back to a fish concert and just escalates from there there's not a lot of episodes of it but (laughs) that sounds fantastic um, well there's only so far you can take that joke and i and i I I don't like fish either, and I love this podcast. That's great. Great podcast. Uh,
1: He has a second part to uh, his uh, his question. He says, Patrick, so I guess he focuses on me. Do you think the TV shows you love uh, the most are ones that effortlessly uh, fluctuate between serious and drama? Serious drama and genuine comedy. X-Files, Buffy, and Lost all occupy that genre, and if you haven't watched it, I bet you legitimately would enjoy Supernatural. Supernatural shouldn't be good. By all reason, it should be another schlocky CW original, but it does good character building and great Monster of the Week serialization, even if it steals multiple premises from the X-Files. Detour and Bad Blood to name a couple. Bad Blood is a good one to steal from. Uh, but still, they're almost always acknowledged influences outright and have good meta jokes in original episodes. I have heard a lot of really good things about Supernatural, but am turned off and or intimidated by the fact that it's been going for like 10 years uh so if you can recommend perhaps a good entryway into supernatural or if you just start from the beginning and it'll be all good uh let me know but yeah i i I enjoy you know i don't say certainly not exclusively but i I have found that i definitely gravitate towards shows that are can totally kind of be all over the map i find that interesting and challenging and surprises you as the viewer so i don't think it's a surprise that i've enjoyed shows like though that do that
0: uh are you a Buffy fan? I, I watched the first. Well, I watched
1: the first season uh, and then just didn't get around to watching the rest. It didn't quite sink its claws uh, into me, but I, I imagine it's a show. If I spent more time, I would. You're looking at the ceiling. Is it dripping water?
0: No, an ant fell down from the. Oh, that's not good. From the vent. Yeah, that's not great. No, you, you don't want to see that. I think that's better than water, though. I'll take the ants over the water. Yeah. All right. I my my buddy uh, Brad O'Farrell. Was a game designer who made uh, Story War. Huge Buffy fan. Recently went through and watched the whole series and um, wrote some really interesting stuff about it and formed all these theories. And he kind of got me excited about Buffy as this, like, show with this amazing continuity and all this, like, was a very cerebral, like, smart, cool show. And he came, and he was in Chicago and we did, like, a party where he showed us a couple episodes of Buffy. Terrible. (laughs) Unwatchable. Unwatchable. Horrible show. No. I don't you know if I go quite as far as a horrible really, show. You really can't sell me on, but on I the Buffy. I, th-
1: I think it is it is possible that show is somewhat a construct of uh, both nostalgia and the like aughts early aughts uh, context that it came out in, mm-hmm. uh, in which it is a little bit schlocky in a way that maybe doesn't fit as well if you're trying to get into it now. But I know the people that like Buffy really like Buffy. Yeah, and I, there are a lot of people that whose tastes I respect a lot really like Buffy. So even though I haven't quite gotten into it. I'm not going to dismiss. I'm not going to say it's a terrible show.
0: <laughs> I could not. I, could, I really couldn't do it. I got so excited to like Buffy because of all the cool stuff Brad was saying about it, and it's just bad. It's just people are looking for something in there that's not there. It's not a good show. All right. Well, I have a good. I have a good TV uh, story. This is a good segue. So, um, this is a good PAX story. So at PAX, I was out to lunch with uh, Chris Straub and Mikey Newman. And Chris and Mikey and I, when we get together, we tend to talk about really dumb stuff. We started talking about Smash Mouth, and there was this joke that we wanted to get. We might have gotten. Oh, well, we were talking about get, trying to get Smash Mouth for our Pax panel, so it'd just be like at mm-hmm. the end of the panel, we'd just be like, "Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special surprise: Smash Mouth." <laughs> um, and we even like went so far as to like look into booking them, and we thought that maybe they were, you know, possible for us to get. But the uh, we thought through it, and the issue was like, you know, we go, we go, we'd introduce some ladies and gentlemen, Smash Mouth, and people would go like. No, they didn't really get Smash Mouth. And <laughs> Smash Mouth would come out and they go, "Wow, they really got Smash Mouth." And they do an acoustic set. Maybe. Ooh, that's interesting. I didn't even think of that. Like, just make make it like a little
1: bit douchier. Uh huh. Like, here's an acoustic set. An
0: acoustic Smash Mouth set. And just
1: like like a, some bongo drums and a, and a, an acoustic guitar.
0: Sort of a slow, emotional all star. Yeah,
1: and make it like a, what was that MTV show uh, from the '90s, uh, Storytellers? Mm-hmm. So make him explain why he wrote the lyrics in between each song.
0: Well, I... Like, treat like, you it, were, treat it, like you were. I wanted to convey the sense of being an all-star. Treat, treat it really seriously. Yeah. Well, we thought about doing that, and we were like, well, the audience would be, you know, first they'd freak out, and then Smash Mouth would come out, and everyone would sort of laugh, and they'd cheer, and then Smash Mouth would start playing. And that's eight seconds of t- t- since we introduced them till they start playing. And then there's, like, Smash Mouth has to play a set, and everyone has to watch them. And it's not really, like, funny at that point. Like, we can't be on stage and be like, ah, you're Smash Mouth. Like, look at Get you. Out of here. Yeah, you have to be Smash Mouth. You have to play it straight. Yeah. Which, and then we're just. Which is guys. part of the meta joke. I know, but then we're just some guys on a panel, like. And it's also, it's s- kind of mean. Sitting there. Yeah, it's very mean. And we're just sitting there just listening. They were successful. We're sitting here recording the Lost podcast. Yeah. They did all right for themselves. I, uh, I, uh, um. Have I've, you
1: seen that the, there's a video of someone doing karaoke in which they requested Smash Mouth, but sung the lyrics to John Medj. John, uh, And Lennon's Imagine, and no one could tell the difference. It's really funny. So it's the instrumentation to Smash Mouth, and then the the lyrics to John Lennon's Imagine. I have
0: not seen this, but it's going in the show notes. Um, It's very funny. Okay, so what is it? Smash Mouth, karaoke, Imagine, John Lennon, YouTube. Yeah, all right. That we'll find it through that. It's very funny. Okay, the and whole the whole karaoke joint is singing along with them too. That's really funny. Uh, so anyway, we're talking about this at lunch, and this whole Smash Mouth. Oh, we almost got Smash Mouth. And at some point, I had this like crazy flashback, and I was like, "Do you? Rem- I'm curious if you remember this. Mm-hmm. Do you remember in 2002?" On Fox, there was a period where they heavily, heavily played a commercial promoting Firefly. Back when Firefly was a new I show, I saw this link that you put up on your Twitter. You, so you saw the video. I
1: don't. I didn't. Okay. I have not seen Firefly. Right. It's a show I've not seen. I need to see it. All
0: right, hang on to that thought for a second. But uh, anyway, so it was a it was a promo. It was a commercial for Firefly. It was in heavy rotation on Fox, in Chicago at least, in 2002. And it had Smash Mouth playing behind it. And it was the most – and I remember it being the most crazy 90s setup. Like, what would happen if you put a space cowboy, a cosmic hooker, and a girl in a box on the wackiest TV show? Like, it was super – and it had a bunch of, like, crazy 90s cuts and circle wipes and star wipes and stuff. Um, So I put – so we went on – so I – Basically, I ruined lunch because I spent the entire lunch obsessing <laughs> over this on, on Twitter the whole time uh, and on uh, 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 Google just trying to find this commercial. Couldn't find it. And uh, eventually, I just went out and made a tweet, and I said, I'm putting a $100 bounty on this commercial if anyone can find it. And sure enough, within like 10 minutes, uh, we found it. So bad. <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> uh, out there? Oh, it's out there. <laughs> that is truly terrible. All right. Well, the rest of the podcast. Maybe that's our new theme music. Yeah, but like every part of my life is just becoming. Can you like get those gi- one to do like a, a Smash
1: Mouth influenced uh, intro track? <laughs> Smash Mouth Lost mashup.
0: Have you heard the Mouth Sounds Smash Mouth like two hour Smash Mouth remix album? That sounds great. It's actually it's legit. Oh yeah, no, good. I, I, I it's know it's like mixed with about. like modest mouth yep. some good stuff. It's All right, like, yep. All right, well let's let's uh, let's talk about Lost. Let's talk about a great. Uh, Episode of Lost So uh, This is a huge mythology episode It sets up the numbers Which are You know I think the numbers Are one of those things Where if you Almost if you don't know Anything about Lost You've never seen it You've probably heard Of the numbers Yes Um, Let's see where do where to even start with this? The flashback or the on island? I mean, everything is pretty much. What's
1: interesting is like this episode in particular. Everything is really tied together. Yeah, like a lot of what's happening off the island in his flashback is explaining exactly what he's doing. It's basically, like Hurley loses it. Yeah, uh, a and bit. and so the, the reason he loses it is because uh, what they need a battery for the I forget what they need. What do they need the battery for? Something for the raft.
0: Yeah, they want uh, some way to contact a ship on the raft. So it picks up from last week, right? Right. You see, Jin and Sun. You get a little flashback from uh, Jin and Sun. You know, uh, Sun clearly feeling bad about the way things worked out. Yep. Jin, uh, very angry, but working on the raft as part of the team.
1: We have a small tip-off for a future plot thread involving Sawyer, right? Uh, in which he is, for whatever reason, irritable.
0: Or yeah. Having a, having a having a tough time trying to read his book, having a difficult time, and we're not sure why. Yes, and. uh I think I had a question about I actually want to we'll pause the second I have a question for you mm-hmm. Do Jin and Son know that Walt burnt the raft down? Because no. I thought that I think they might I think they're And I never picked this up on a previous episode But I thought that was kind of a tell The way they were talking about it
1: No I think Locke keeps that to himself And that's between But don't you Locke Don't you think
0: maybe Jin saw Walt burn the raft down? Because he was there And tried to put it out
1: It's possible I don't think it's ever acknowledged though I think I, I think the show sort of implies that only
0: Locke knows. It, watch, and even Locke didn't see favor. him do it. Do me, me a favor. Watch the opening scene of the episode again, mm-hmm. where they're working on the raft. Because okay. there's a couple of things where it's like, holy shit, Jin knows. Maybe he would. I don't think he'd rat him out. If, no, I don't think if so. It w- if it was true, I don't think he would. All right. Anyway, interesting question, uh, listeners. Please write in and tell us what you think about my theory. What are we talking? We're about? We're waiting. Yeah. Is this, where, is this where we wait for them to write in? right here. I don't think it works like that. Mm. All right. Um, we were talking about the opening. So, yeah. So, we get right. a little bit with Sawyer. Uh, yeah, we see them
1: building the raft. And then what sort of sets off what happens next is uh, they, they want a way to contact potentially a ship because they're going to hopefully like – my guess is they're hoping to send off and then go into a trade lane and hopefully be spotted by a ship uh, is kind of what they're hoping for. And so they need to get a power source. There is a cable running from Rousseau. uh, So they figure, well, she must have access to power somewhere. Uh, And so they go to meet up with Said. Said is very hesitant to join them on this quest. He wants nothing to do with Rousseau. Last time he was there, he was tortured and had the shit beat out of him. Although maybe it was a long time coming, Said. He used to torture people too. Maybe be a little more sympathetic. (laughs) And um, that sounded more aggressive than I meant to be. (laughs) Um, uh, But he just sort of, he like kind of loses it for a second there. And then... Uh, Hurley takes a look at they start looking at some of the maps to try and make some sense of it and they notice these numbers. And at first, you know, Said says that he thought it was coordinates, but he just thinks it's now the sort of the ramblings of someone who's clearly lost their mind being alone on an island for a long time. And Hurley loses it over these numbers, and then you know, it's not until we get into the flashback that we start to realize why exactly four, eight, fifteen, sixteen, twenty three, forty two would be a number combination freaking him out.
0: Yeah, I was, um, I was pretty happy when they got to that battery story, too. I kind of forgot about that, but just having the electronics uh, on the raft at all, uh, needing the battery. We were just talking about, I think, last week or the week before that Saeed has not had a lot to do, and this is a great fix for that. Like, anytime something they have some sort of mechanical problem, it's a great reason to bring out the, the Saeed character and kind of put him into action. Often reluctantly, which is great. Like, I love reluctant Saeed when he doesn't yeah. really want to be doing something, but... But then he kind of gets into he's it. He's a man on a mission, yeah. Um, you know, Saeed is also a, um, a mythology character, like, in the sense of, like, he's often the one who's out exploring. He's kind of a man of action. He's He gets into the thick of it. Like, when the story really picks up, Saeed is usually involved. Well, there's, there's so, a
1: couple characters like that. You know, Locke is clearly one of those. Saeed is one of those. Like, these people who are... Ki- Capable yeah. of, they can send them out into the world and mm-hmm. you will reasonably believe that they'll be okay.
0: Yeah, but Locke So they Locke can stumble is, upon things. Locke will go out in the jungle and have like a personal journey, which is great, but I don't want that. I want some, I want some freaking answers, which is my, the greatest line from this episode. Yep. But, and that's her, that's Saeed. For whatever reason, like anytime Saeed, I mean, think about also in the future of the show, like anytime Saeed it comes into play, like some weird stuff is going to happen. Yep. Yeah. Yeah and already today like he found that wire you know coming out of the jungle yep so hurley so, yeah uh, so yeah so then we flash
1: back to hurley and basically get the oh
0: we're going to do the story we're going to do the story I feel like we might as well just do it kind of
1: chronologically because like it's okay. it's sort of like it sort of it all ties together in a way right. that feels pretty organic but all right let's do it we yeah we swap over to to hurley who lives with his mother clearly in a sad state his mother berates him he uh, works at a Chicken uh, company is, is it revealed like what the chicken company's name is no. yet? Okay,
0: um, Hermanos. <laughs> Close enough.
1: Yeah, uh, it's a Saturday night. Uh, she's upset that he's not out like with friends or finding a woman or some, you know just generally like Hurley not exactly lighting the world on fire at mm-hmm. the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he sits down, watches his, his old school television set. It's a little boxy thing, and he has got a lottery ticket. And he notices that he gets the power number uh, forty two. He perks up. And then quickly
0: realizes... By the way, the guy, remember in the in the uh, TV? Mm-hmm.
1: You're going to uh, spoil my trivia, aren't you? Oh, is
0: this a trivia? All yeah. right, we'll come back to it. That's all right. The announcer? Let it... Yes. Okay. Let it be shown that I knew a trivia. There you go. Okay. Let's, move on. Let's move on. Well, you keep listening, and you'll hear it from Patrick.
1: Uh, that's called a tease. Mm-hmm. We, we wrote that in. That's in our script. You know. Real professional. Uh, Desi shoves a McDonald's breakfast menu item into his mouth Mm. and ants fall down on him from the ceiling.
0: The breakfast of desperation. Uh,
1: And he wins the lottery and he passes out and falls through, it kind of sounds like he falls through a table Mm -hmm. um, uh, and they imply that it must be a ton of money because it's been, I think, 16 weeks Mm -hmm. uh, before. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're talking something in the tens of millions if not hundreds of millions of dollars and yeah, this all of a sudden puts Hurley as a character in this like wild context that completely changes everything about him and his actions and then also explains why he might have been on television in the Jin and Sun episode in translation. Yeah,
0: should we talk about the... Should we, uh, let's just say the curse stuff. So basically, as soon as Hurley wins the lottery, a lot of bad stuff starts happening to him, like his grandpa dies on like, TV. on TV while mm-hmm. he's announcing that he has won $150 million, his grandpa it's, it's just it's straight cheaper. up... So there's something really fun about the way they filmed all of this, these flashbacks, too, because, uh, you know, the on-island stuff is pretty intense, um, but the off-island stuff it's extremely compelling and it it has a lot of uh suspense but uh it's kind of silly like it's kind of funny and that uh, to me that adds a lot of weird tension to it of like you're kind of meant to be like is this really happening is this like you're not it's not like some of the other flashbacks where you're like you know where Walt's doing something creepy and the bird crashes into the window where it's like very clearly telegraphing like be creeped out right now, or this is a real thing, or, or this is important to
1: the show, or this is like tied right. into the mythology. Whereas with this, they the the music, which the music's really great in this really episode, good. yeah, because um, it's 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 a very kind of goofy, uh, slightly off putting, but you know still serious, and it kind of dances between that stuff a lot. Uh, they don't want you; they're at least not tipping their hand on whether what's happening to Hurley is just what happens to a lot of lottery winners, in which they you know when things get weird or go bad they blame it on their new newfound- phone well, it's,
0: it's just a lot of change in your life yes. right so you can so it's a lot more things happening in your life it's like suddenly hurly you know one of the things that happens uh, when he's talking to his accountant his accountant's like this factory it was what what the hell was the one that burned down shoe factory yeah shoe factory but and then you collected the insurance it's like well hurley owns a bunch of factories now so it's plausible that one of them burned down he's doubled his net worth which means
1: okay so it means he must have won something on the order of like 70 million and Mm -hmm. now he has 150 million because he Mm -hmm. ends up telling charlie at the end that he's worth like 150 million that's right yeah, money making money. You I know. do it Hurley. Uh
0: but uh it's it's great. It's a it's a question that um I hope it's I well, I don't want to get uh, too much into into the the spoilers about the numbers or anything, but you know, even at this point if you were watching the show, uh they were doing the the podcast and Carlton Cuse and Damon Lindelof were saying like, "Hey, we're not going to explain the numbers." Like, the we're not going to do the Middle where it's like, "Here's exactly how the numbers work." Uh, you know, we will as the show goes on, we'll, we'll obviously learn a lot more about them and uh, characters' relationships to them and stuff. Okay. What? We'll wait for spoiler chat. For Well, yeah. But uh, I think you're meant... I think the numbers are set up right from the beginning in, in a thing that's very interesting and frustrating, which is you're meant to decide, like, do you buy it as the viewer or not? And you can watch this episode and believe that the numbers are nothing and it's just bad luck and it's just an all-coincidence and it's in Harley's head. Or you can watch the episode and be like, wow, that is crazy. Hurley crashed the plane. The numbers are bad luck. He, he opened the box or, you know, whatever. Well, and, you know, certainly not to What's get – going uh, on in here? There's, there's, like a, there's a bug. It's sort of flying around. Insects in this room. Where are all these insects coming
1: from? Uh, maybe because it's warm out. So now, like, they're coming – I don't know. I think we're cursed. I, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, not to jump too far ahead in the episode, but to jump to the last shot. I mean, yeah. the last shot is a stinger in which the – the show spends the entire episode sort of going like, eh, like, I don't know, like, could be anything. And then the end is like, oh wait, the numbers are attached to this mysterious hatch that Locke is trying to get into. The numbers are kind of fucking weird and tied into all of this. Yeah,
0: that's the thing though, is like, even to this day, I watch the episode and my, I'm a, very skeptical person. So I want to watch the episode. And every time the numbers come up, I'm trying to – in my head, I'm like, well, that could be explained by this or that could be that. And that last fucking shot where it zooms into the thing and there's the numbers and you're like, oh, shit, it's yep. real. And also, oh, shit, the hatch. And right. Then, and the next week on Lost, like you, you know it's a lock episode coming up. Like, ooh.
1: Like you know it's all coming together. Like ooh. they're tying all the stuff. To, and, you know, it is one of those things that uh, I think the show – you know, you know, we can talk more about some spoiler chat. But speaking vaguely, I think the show tips its hand a little too hard in the like, <laughs> like by having that shot with the numbers on the hatch. Yes. In a way that I think takes away, in retrospect, from what the 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 episode dances between so nicely is this sense of is Hurley just uh, exaggerating. The problems around him, looking for uh, problems where there are none, looking for explanations for what are otherwise just random events. Um well, you have and then, and then and then that last shot just sort of says
0: like, "Nah, like this is no." no I match. see. I don't know though because he has that really great conversation with Hurley, uh, with sorry, with Charlie at the end, and uh, Hurley and Charlie, and Charlie's like, "You know, I, while I was on the plane, I was uh, an addict. I couldn't even get through the flight without snoring heroin." Um, was that the pro- Was that the numbers too? Yeah, and you know it's like basically saying to Hurley like, "Hey, buddy, it's not all about you. Like, we all crash here. We all have shit going on in our lives. This isn't you know don't 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 be the center of the world here. You know, you didn't crash this plane." And Hurley is like, "Well, back home, I'm worth you know 150 million dollars." And Charlie's like, "I bare my soul and all, <laughs> and all." This is what it's I get. Such a to start. great but moment. It, it really. Dif- it, it, it's really funny. It's it's sort of showing like Hurley's going to be okay, and he's sort of back to his own sort of bumbling funny self, and. uh, you know, it's it's a big strike in the. You know, when you, when Charlie says it like that, you're like, well, yeah, of course, Hurley didn't crash the plane, and it's like everyone has their own. It kind of reminds you, like, oh, everyone's got their own story, so it's very decisively on the side of the numbers are just a coincidence. It's just luck. It's just nothing. But then they're on the hatch. I love that. It's like escalating everything one step further. Like, I
1: suppose so. Yeah. And, you know. And then there's also you know the. The way that Rousseau arrived on the island, because they mm-hmm. run into her when they go uh, seeking, seeking her in the forest, um, in, in the jungle, rather, uh, is the reason they were on a research mission, um, and then they heard these numbers, figured it might have been a distress signal. But either way, if something wanted to investigate, they shipwreck on the island, and she goes and replaces the numbers transition with uh, the— uh, you know whatever the, her message in french that's looking looking for help and lets her know lets people know how long she's been there uh, by how many times it's looped, so you know there is like there's some there's something going on or at least like that sentiment right there like there's something going on is the feeling they want to leave you with is that this could all be absolutely nothing, and that in a show of mysteries we're just introducing one that's going to drive you nuts but actually has nothing to do with anything right. Uh, and I think that's the f- the kind of fun fine line they're going for is that if you throw a bunch of mysteries in the air, some of them are just there to be a red herring. And yeah. are the numbers just an enormous red herring?
0: Well, let's let's go back to the to the story for a second because this also kind of relates to one of the other things I wanted to talk about, which is the the, the wire coming out of the ocean. Um, and this is a great this is a great great like lost. Thing that I think is It's played really well In this episode The way they handle the wire And it's kind of a sign Of of what Lost is all about So In in an early episode of Lost Like four or five Or something When you first When we first meet Rousseau We, we see this cord Coming out of the ocean And it's like it's, it's literally like This plot thread Like literal thread That we want That it's like The whole time you're watching the show You're like Go look at that fucking wire. Go follow the wire. There's a wire coming out. You guys realize there's a power line going into the ocean. Don't you guys think that's interesting? Yeah. Go find the the wire. Come on, say. Tell some people about the wire. Go find that wire. It's right on the beach. Go get it. The whole time I was watching Lost the first time, that's all I could – I was obsessed with – I mean, I cared about that way more than the hatch because you saw it so much earlier. Right. And you're just like, please, would someone go look at this wire? Like, you know you're not alone on the island. (laughs) There's a crazy wire coming out of the ocean. Could it's a you- huge wire, too. Yeah. It's
1: not like you just found, like, an AC
0: cord. No. I mean, it's an enormous wire. Yeah. Yeah. Just totally crazy that no one has gone out there. But so it's very satisfying that Hurley, you know, immediately sets out to go find the wire. And, uh, you know, uh, obviously, uh, Saeed and Jack follow. Charlie goes with him. And uh, they meet up. And as they're going through the jungle, the, they come to, the wire just goes into the ground. And it yeah. ends. And that's it. Doesn't go to Rousseau's cabin, doesn't go to the hatch, doesn't go to any of the stuff that we know about on the island. Um, that's just it. But because, it is
1: resolution. Like, it's resolution for that specific plot thread. It just implies it, a lot more. It
0: just, it's sort of resolution for that plot thread. Yes. It's not really. But that's lost. Why is there a that wire? <laughs> You just encapsulated, like, but everything in I know, in lost, I know But that's what I'm saying. In retrospect, that is a telling, that's like a big moment for the show. Yeah, in retrospect, because uh, it's it's what you're going to get a lot of and lost is like, what's that thing? What's that thing? What's that thing? And then they go find it and it's like, oh, it goes into the jungle. Yeah, it goes right into the ground. Yeah, and it's like, well, I guess I'm satisfied. I don't know. It's but like, what's under the ground? Yeah, right. Dig it up. Come on, guys. Yeah, I don't know. It was. Uh, uh, are, are you? Do we find out more about? It? I guess we find out a little bit more about the wire. Um, because it still goes in another direction.
1: Yeah, but they don't. We we're not we're not quite there yet to to thinking about that stuff right quite yet. But they so the, yeah they they basically they chase after Hurley. Um, Hurley you know goes off on his own. Um, I have to say that watching him tr- walk on the beach in his shoes and socks like. Sand in, in between my toes freaks me out. Mm. I don't like it. Okay. I don't like that feeling. Okay. I like going, I like swimming, I like sand. But the idea of like walking in shoes and socks and just having tons of sand, like that, it drives me. It seems You and I would
0: not do well <sighs> on the
1: island. I think you would die first.
0: Oh, definitely. Okay, all right. Where, I mean, I, I, how, <gasps> where would I charge my iPhone? What, did you get a bug on you? Yeah. We have a million bugs in this room. What is room.
1: Going, <laughs> what's going on? I don't
0: know. We're going to have to. As soon as we're done, they're, like
1: ne- they're literally dropping, like
0: like from flies. the ceiling. We're <laughs> we gonna say like flies. Well, that one had wings. It did. Yeah, Where are these bugs coming from? This is crazy. It's a new building. How could there be know. this many bugs in here?
1: Well, it's. it's I imagine it has to be somewhat related to the unseasonably warm weather that we're experiencing now. I guess, is it going to get
0: cold again? I hope not. It, do you think it is, though? I feel like we're
1: probably going to get at least another week of cold. Mm. Just because is it better to assume it's going to get cold again than it's going to stay warm? Yes, you're right. It's
0: so nice.
1: Uh, so I think it's somehow related to that. But uh, in any case, uh, so they find him. Hurley almost dies. Because he steps on a pressure plate and then almost gets hit by uh, a swinging Such Indiana a funny Jones scene. Such a funny scene. Oh, it's so great because he steps I'm on the spry. plate. I'm spry. Yeah, like yeah. he's
0: going to jump out of the way and everyone's oh. just like, what are you doing?
1: Yeah. And, and actually, it's re- it's there's a string of great moments here in which Hurley is just like, ah, fuck it. I'm going to go do my own thing. They they find this bridge. He decides, I'm just going to walk across this bridge. Charlie says, well.
0: Let's do the rest of the flashbacks because okay. I think that sets that up. Yeah. So. One of my favorite flashbacks in the entire series, like I, I can't tell you how much this one just totally freaked me out when I first saw it. So Hurley, you see Hurley says, you know, I got to find out more about those numbers. And then he goes to a uh, mental institution, what's revealed to be a mental institution. And the doctor recognizes Hurley, which implies Hurley has been in this mental institution. Uh, and he takes him, he says, I need to see Leonard. And he takes him back at the, the woman's giving him a hard time about seeing Leonard because Hurley doesn't know Leonard's last name. The doctor goes, "Oh, I didn't know you and Leonard were that close." And then, sure enough, they take Hurley back, and he meets Leonard. And Leonard is—he's—he's uh, he's kind of based, uh, ripped off of a, 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 a one flew of the Cuckoos Nest character. But uh, yeah, he's sort of—he's got these uh, big, thick glasses, and he's sort of muttering to himself, and he's—he's uh, he's saying something under his breath, and you can't quite tell what it is. And he's playing Connect Four by himself, and just acting like a like a like a real good crazy person, a real good TV crazy person. Yeah,
1: and he's—he's and he's kind of going. Like,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, you can't. You don't know what he's saying.
1: But it, well, you kind of think like he's, he must be like it's gotta be related to these numbers. Yeah, it's it's Hurley, he's like, he's like, yeah.
0: And then Hurley's like, hey man, I uh, played the numbers in the lottery, like those numbers, you know, the the numbers. And he sort of looks up, and you could tell this is not this is a guy who like has not said anything but his muttering in years. And he looks up, and he's suddenly you can hear that he's saying the numbers. He's cogent, eight, like and 15, sixteen, the other one, forty-two, thirty-six, forty-two. That's it, right? Four, eight, fifteen, sixteen, twenty three, forty two. Twenty three? Yeah, thirty six. Yeah, that's right. Twenty three, forty two. Yeah. And uh, he goes, Oh, you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> no. yeah. And it's just like, Oh, no. That's why would he say that? That's really that's bad. bad. <laughs> and he goes, Hurley, why would you do that? Another great line. He goes, You opened the box. <laughs> Why'd you open the box? You shouldn't have done that. And you're just like thinking, and it's again where this episode straddles
1: a line of like, Is, like, wait. Like what like what a what is what? Why maybe he really did do something terrible. Like did somehow these numbers have this magical power and like Hurley has doomed I, us it's all. It's just so
0: it's just so creepy. It's so it's like silly and creepy and clichéd but also kind of weird. It's just it's a great 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 well, scene. I think I think
1: that what allows them to get away with something that is like the idea that like numbers have power and like magical uh the properties associated with like sort of using them as an incantation, which I guess you could say is using them in the lottery, uh, is that it, it plays it as though, but maybe not. Right. You know, like it's, it'd be one thing if they were just like, these numbers are mysterious and magical, but instead they're like, no, they're not like, come on. You have a bunch of characters constantly saying like, everything's fine. Um, and, and, yeah, so then we swap back over to them crossing uh, this bridge and the Charlie. Well, let's do – I think we should, should we do just finish Australia out the well, Yeah, let's okay. just
0: finish the flashback. So uh, as he's being dragged out, uh, the guy says to Hurley, like, I heard them from this other guy, and he's in Australia in this town or whatever. And uh, then cut to this – Which is now
1: we realize why Hurley be in Australia. Sydney. That's right.
0: And uh, so cut to this house in the middle of the outback, completely isolated in the wilderness. And uh, Hurley goes to meet with the wife of the guy, Sam Tooney. I think it's his name. And he's dead. We find out. But uh, she tells him the whole story, which is he was in the Navy, and they were at a listening uh, post. And they basically they heard um, a station uh, that was static until one day it wasn't static, and they heard these numbers. And uh, they both – uh, oh, he he entered a bean counting contest. Yes, which is I've been flagged. I don't know if you saw this on Lostpedia. Has like flagged this as a continuity error because it's not really possible that that many beans would. Well, be I was going to say if you yeah. think
1: about what, what does that number of string come out to? Uh, let's see.
0: Anyway, it's a lot of beans. It's a good Four, number 18, of beans. Fifteen. It's more beans than there are bugs in this room. 42. Hopefully.
1: So we add our commas.
0: You sound like a Lost fan. Like Sir forty. <laughs>
1: Forty-one billion eight hundred and fifteen million one hundred and sixty-two thousand three hundred and forty-two beans inside of a bottle.
0: Yeah, it's too many beans. It's too great, or maybe there are one. Is it wait four eight five, wait four, eight fifteen? eight
1: fifteen. Okay, so okay four four billion. Sorry, it's still <laughs> too many beans. It's a lot of beans.
0: It's still too many beans. So anyway, think about the think about the bottle that that would have to be. It's a. It would be a swimming pool. And also, if this man has been getting away
1: with this for decades, he, does he just? He doesn't sound like a man that has fifty thousand dollars just lying around, just to like hand over to someone when they happen to guess it. it. He seems like a guy that, when you guess it correctly, he runs off and or stabs you.
0: It's a. It's not lost like best story, but it does give you the idea of. This guy they could have done any other... Yeah, but so what's good about it is this guy used the numbers in something very impossibly low stakes, like a bean, literally like a bean counting. And also something innocuous. Yeah,
1: very innocuous. Right.
0: Just low stakes. And he, he put a shotgun in his mouth and killed himself because he couldn't handle the bad fortune. And Hurley won $150 million in the lottery with it. Like, yeah. I mean, Hurley did something big. So you're like, wow, Hurley is screwed but the wife points out that all ever since he won the money with the beans and used the numbers he w- became impervious he had great luck could, nothing could take him down but she lost her leg in a car accident and all this bad calamity floods fires all this stuff happened um uh, around him and he was fine so that so anyway cut back to the jungle that's why hurley is like throwing himself across the bridge and well, being but, reckless but
1: specific uh she she doesn't blame any of it even though she was the one impacted by a lot of these events does not blame the numbers. She's like, shit happens. Like, bad stuff happens to good people. Like, move on right. with your life.
0: Right. But her denial of it, thats to me, that actually was like, oh, there must be something here. I don't know why. <laughs> There's something fishy about it. I don't know. I do. Anyway, this is another one of those threads, too, of I remember seeing this and I was like, oh, man. Like, this guy, Sam Petuni or whatever. We're going to meet him in a flashback and he's going to have all the answers. Mm. He's going to know what's going on. He or at
1: it. least you're going to get a flashback to like the World War II or whatever it was where they were at the listening post. Yeah, it's
0: like this is this is the guy that's like – the numbers are central. This is my thinking when I saw this episode. The numbers are central to the, the the mystery of Lost and this guy is central to the numbers. He knows what's up with the numbers. Sure. And uh, only time will tell. You'll have to watch the entire rest of the series – to know if uh, you get satisfaction with that. Okay. Uh, so Hurley throws himself across the bridge and dives out of the way of the dingus, and he eventually, uh, he loses... Uh, well, there's Jack. also,
1: there's a really funny line from Charlie mm-hmm. where they look at this rickety bridge and they're mm-hmm. like, we, we shouldn't, oh, we shouldn't right. go across. Right. And and then Hurley makes it across, and they all kind of look at each other, and Charlie's about to go for it, and they're like, what are you doing? He's like, well, I mean, if he can make it...
0: <laughs> It's so <laughs> really funny. There's a line. couple of good lines of Charlie to being like Hurley, Hurley's
1: a big guy. Oh, it's yeah. just really really funny. I really enjoyed that line. And then yeah. yeah, it crashes when Charlie gets across there. And there's this moment where finally someone tries to shake some sense in Hurley in which like uh, Jack and Said are like, "Hey, why don't you wait? We'll we'll come meet you on the other side." Um, and uh, Hurley says, "No, there's a path. We're good." And it's like and
0: so I was like, "What what do you mean there's a path?" Like yeah. stop. Like, wait until they get here. It, it does – it really gives you a feeling of, like, how much Hurley is possessed by the story of the numbers and that he's safe and everyone else is screwed. And he really – I mean, even if he doesn't fully think he's, like, somehow under their protection or whatever, it's just – he just doesn't care. He just wants his, He just wants the answers. So, uh, meanwhile, let's see. Jack and Saeed find Rousseau's house and yep. they blow it up. Yes. It's – by accident. By accident. It has like trip wires. And they
1: find that there's nothing so, in it. She's moved everything out. Right. There's nothing interesting there for them. And that's
0: and that's out of play. And I'm and I remember being bummed uh also as a viewer when that happened because I was like, man, that's one of the things we knew on the island, and I was hoping you'd get back to Rousseau's cabin and you'd be like, where's she getting the electricity from? Like right. what's all this stuff? Where'd she get it all? What's going on with her crew, with her expedition? And uh it feels like we're we're we've moved one step further away. I remember being very bummed when it blew up because I'm like, ah but damn it, we're not going to get any answers on that this episode. Uh, so then uh, Hurley hears the explosion. Oh, no, they get shot at by Rousseau, Hurley and Charlie. They both run. They get separated. And then Rousseau catches Hurley and sort of holds him up at, at gunpoint. And he has this amazing monologue, and he's like, I want some freaking answers. So at this point— and It feels
1: like the viewer in a certain way. Oh,
0: yeah. He is total— Hurley is— I mean, hard.
1: Hurley as a character essentially— Throughout most of the show acts as the the viewer surrogate in which he finally says the things that we right. want a character to say.
0: Yeah, he's very much designed as the everyman. He's sort of meant to be like your – as the TV viewer, he is uh, your – reaction of what it would be like to be stuck on the island and you would be the guy if you were in this crazy fucking island with the polar bears and the wire coming out of the water and all that
1: what the, what you'd be noticed? like i want
0: some freaking answers like that and that is what the audience at home even at this early in loss, they're already saying like come on guys like let's get some let's let's find out what's going on here some freaking answers let's get some freaking answers and uh you get a really great story from rousseau about um that her team uh uh heard the numbers on the listening station and then they all got sick, uh, and they changed it they changed the numbers uh to the uh repeating message that you heard in the pilot so and then she takes off. Is that it? Am I missing anything from that Rousseau speech? I think that's she a, doesn't that really say point. anything. She just sort yeah. of
1: is uh i think sympathizes I with uh Hurley and his plight, and probably is someone who has been looking for answers as well, so she provides him with the battery, I think mostly because he comes across as uh she's very distrustful I think probably for good reasons like she's probably had encounters with whoever else is on this island and she's lost all the, everywhere that's close to her so it makes sense that she is perhaps cynical um or skeptical rather um and she finds Hurley to be someone genuine so gives him the battery
0: Hurley really does have that talent of uh getting stuff from people too because yeah. he got stuff from Sawyer earlier by by just sort of being decent to him and now he's got this battery. he's also himself. yeah he's
1: just a. uh, uh He's a likable
0: guy. Yeah, you just
1: sort of look at him and you're like, eh, yeah. He's not going to stab me in the back.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, Hurley gets the battery. Uh, they all meet up and they head back to camp. Uh, a, a, bee, a very brief B story where it's very Locke and uh, Claire, Locke asks Claire's help to build something and they talk about the baby and Claire says she didn't want to keep the baby, but she did and she's scared about having a baby on the island. It really does make you think of, like, Boy, she's very pregnant. This baby is coming very soon, and you know they're gonna have to deal with this baby on the island. And uh, then Locke is building this weird thing with spikes coming out of it, and he's like filing the wood down into points. And she's like, "What is that? Some sort of trap?" And then in the end, it's oh, and uh, it's Claire's birthday. Yep. And then in the end, he flips it over, and it's a uh, a baby cage. What do you call that? Oh, <laughs> what do you call that? <laughs>
1: This going to leave you hanging there. Okay. I, don't, I don't want to say sh- it, it might
0: be called the cradle. A cradle, thank you. It's a cradle. And he says, "Happy birthday, Claire. It's your baby cage." And Happy uh, birthday. You know what's interesting is, okay, maybe we need to spoiler chat this. Can I? I'm going to put a note in spoiler chat. Yeah, I have some questions about this, so sp- I'm going to put this in a spoiler chat. Talk about the baby cage and lock. Okay. Uh, just as a reminder, we uh, we occasionally will talk about spoiler topics. Uh, at the end of the episode, and that is after the theme music. So if you're watching Lost for the first time and you're keeping up with us, uh, stop watching. Uh, stop listening to this podcast after the theme music. Come back and listen to all the spoiler chats when you're done, but we'll have a, a quick uh, spoiler discussion uh, at the very, very end of the episode. Okay, and we'll come back to this. So uh, uh, that's it. And then uh, you zoom in at the end, and there's the numbers on the hatch. And uh, you know, you're know, you left to, to, I think, the big question of this episode is, for the numbers, but maybe more specifically for all the mythology that we're seeing everywhere around the people on the island uh how much does this matter? Is it real? Is it characters' interpretations of things like are we seeing the power of the numbers in an exaggerated way through Hurley's point of view or are we is are we seeing things objectively like as as the viewer uh and what is the power of the numbers is there any is it all just a coincidence or um is it whatever power people give them yeah who uh is this a David Fury episode it is Good episode yeah man he's a I, good I can writer. write the, the the mythology ones he can
1: he can it's really good, and this is basically we are now in I think which just becomes a sprint of fantastic I mean we've had a string of fantastic episodes that I think were surprisingly fantastic, but you know we're we're headed towards that finale um, which which there's just a lot of good stuff to come
0: yeah should we should we talk for a second so so one of the big things we've been talking about is just building out the new office, building out the theater space. Uh, Space is done. It was under construction last week, and, uh, actually, as of yesterday, we just finished everything. There are risers. Yeah, we got the risers, we got seating, we got a little projector, we got the whole thing. It's a, it's a nice, it's a really nice little venue. And we've been talking for a long time about when we do that finale of Lost, um, that we want to have people over. And we'll watch the finale, and we'll record, uh, live with an audience. Right? Yeah. Did we talk about that? We did. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. a good idea, right? Yeah. So uh, book your calendars. We'll we'll have some more information as it gets close, but I think we definitely want to do a fun event here at the office to uh, well, we, celebrate say, How many final... episodes
1: do we have left?
0: Like, no, I don't know. Let's yeah. fi- We'll figure it out for next. We're not even close to, to putting this. It would news. be sometime late in the summer, I think. Yeah, we might take another uh, six-month break. Who knows? Yeah. Um, all right. Anyway, but uh, that'll be fun. We'll have people over. We'll do the finale live. Maybe we'll live stream it on uh, on YouTube. Um, all right. Let's see, and then uh, we have a lot to talk about too. At the end, we'll t- we'll sort of set up next week's episode. But let's do some trivia. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
0: All right, I'll do. I'll go first. So occasionally, okay. okay so occasionally, I've been doing some uh, something awful uh, posts. So this is on the something awful TVIV, which was the forum I was reading when Lost was uh, uh, on air as a new show. People every week they would freak out and they would post their reactions to the episodes as they watched them live, and then they would sort of dis- for the whole week afterwards they would discuss their theories and I I like going back to it that stuff is all archived and I like going back to it because it's a little snapshot of what people were thinking about and what it was like to see this show for the first time on the air before you know obviously before loss was really part of the pop culture in the way that it is now Um, and I just pulled there were there's a million of these kinds of posts but I just pulled one that I thought was really silly and this is people in the discussion of numbers like in the days after trying to make sense of what they just saw and this guy is just posts I am starting this thread merely to organize thoughts about my theory. Mythology. Prometheus was one of the Titans. He stole the fire from Olympus and gave it to man. Zeus punished him dearly. Pandora was the first woman given to the earth by Zeus. After Prometheus's treason, she was given a box containing all the sufferings. Pandora is the fourth known satellite of Saturn, the first number in the law series. Saturn was the father of Zeus, who is Jupiter. And was the god of agriculture. He was challenged by Zeus, who took the leadership among the gods. Pandora's statue, found in the Chateau of Versailles, is referenced as the eighth item. It has been sculpted in the sixteen hundreds. Sixteen comes after the fourth. Is the fourth number? Are you going
1: to read this whole thing? I'm not going to read the whole thing. It goes on for <laughs> it goes on forever. But it's ins-
0: do you guys? It's insane. Do you guys hear this? What yeah. the fans were doing with yeah. this? They were like trying to come up with these. It's just scra- do, uh, look, scraping
1: for any sort of. Yeah, let me do
0: a few more. The site holds fourteen some website holds fourteen pictures of the statue, the number of survivors, and the chateau was the home of Louis the Fourteenth. On the same site there is a related link to a painting of Pandora from the fifteen hundreds, fifteen equals the third number. And it just goes on and on and so forth. Um and then it's like, oh, the NASA JPL probe Voyager photographed Pandora and Prometheus on the 23rd of December 1995. Like it is just such grasping for straws here, really really silly stuff.
1: But that was that was so what was so fun about the early parts of stuff like this being introduced was watching people's... W- and then getting excited about, like, yeah, th- that's the one, that's the one, and then going, like, no, it's not. Yeah, it's and the, I think not. the
0: writers, they clearly were reading the stuff and they'd play with you, so they'd have someone, you know, mention some ancient Greek thing and everyone would freak out and they'd be like, oh, the numbers theory, it is that. Do you have... We need to talk about the box company. That just reminds me. Do you have anything in about that? So when Hurley's meeting from his with his accountant and the accountant's like... You you have a box factory and like... I'm not sure if this is revealed yet. Oh, it's revealed. Oh, is it? It's revealed. Well, oh,
1: I yeah. know they said that line, but are we supposed to make the connection yeah, at yeah, this yeah. point? Oh, oh yeah, okay. yeah.
0: So, the, it's like you own a box factory in, like, some Tuscaloosa or, like, some stupid city. And that's where Locke has said he's from, and yep. he worked at a box company. Yep. So, it's Locke's... Hurley owns Locke's box company. That never really comes into play, I don't think. I don't think so. It's just a fun... It's just a really... Wow, what a well, good piece but it, of but it also, it
1: also just... You know, it's another one of those, like, all these people are connected. Yeah. Or are they connected?
0: Yeah, well, right, because it's like, well, Hurley owns a bunch of factories. Right.
1: Like, it could just be coincidence, again, but also, maybe it's not. No way to know. Uh, So we got some trivia from Lostpedia. Uh, Hurley is falsely accused of being a drug dealer, according to his accountant. Jorge Garcia, the actor who plays Hurley, guest starred as a drug dealer on the Courier Enthusiasm episode of The Carpool Lane. Um, This is the first episode to be named after a book in the Bible. It is one of only three episodes, I'm not going to read the other ones, to draw its name from a biblical book, the others being blank, blank, blank. Uh, in closed captioning, Jack says they won't go to the cockpit for a battery. The survivors would not return to the cockpit until blank, 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 blank.
0: Well, I don't understand that.
1: I guess like the subtitling, which may pull from the script, uh, includes something that isn't mm. actually said on screen, which sometimes happens. Uh Hurley's necklace, pictured in the scene where he is showing his mother uh, the house he brought, uh, bought her, is the Chinese character for fortune or luck. Uh, while Hurley is walking on the beach and later while he is driving his Hummer H2, a hip-hop song is heard playing. The artist and title have yet to be identified, despite the best efforts of many fans, leading many to believe it was created especially for the show. Weird. Uh, and then the final one, which is one of the one you alluded to, Carlton Hughes, one of the... Uh, now, the co-creator of the show became a co-showrunner uh, midway through season one uh, with Damon Lindelof. Uh, he is the news reporter that says, that's right, Mary Jo, because this is the 16th week without a winner. I'm your Trivia. Thanks, Lostpedia.
0: All right. Uh, so stick around after uh, the uh, theme music. We will do a little bit of spoiler chat this week. Uh, but uh, first, we've got to set up the episode next week. Next week, we are watching uh, Deus Ex Machina, which is our second lock episode. Woo! It is uh, – it's for my money. It is not only the, the best episode of Lost, but – Is this it, the one that has my favorite scene perhaps in the whole show? Music sweeping, camera yeah, comes up. Is yeah, that it? Okay. All right. Yeah. How uh, do you not know that? Oh, I just I,
1: – it all kind of blurs together. I know it's like here, oh. but man. Man.
0: Yeah. Man. I know. This was – this – yeah, there's a – this is not only the, my favorite episode of Lost. It may be my favorite episode of television of all time. It's just a perfect – Perfect, perfect episode of television. It weaves together all these threads that have been going since the show started. Brings together the characters in really cool ways, and it's a lock episode, so you guaranteed some cool shit is going to happen. Guaranteed.
1: Yeah, you don't get anything bad with lock until something d- deep into season three. I yeah, because you get you, there's one bad lock episode, and it's really bad.
0: Quite. Ooh, wait a minute. Oh, is it the?
1: Uh, th- this is all I'll say. The, Weed, the pot one. Yeah, 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 yeah real yeah. bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not quite strangers in a strange land, but up there, terrible.
0: All right. Anyway, do not miss uh, the next one. Uh, even if you've seen Lost a lot, maybe you're not watching the show with us. Uh, do yourself a favor, go back and watch uh, Deus Ex Machina. Um, you know, I think uh, I think a good thing. I would love to hear from people um, once this episode comes out. Uh, send us an email or uh, a tweet or something. Tell us what you thought when you saw this for the first time. You know, if you are watching the show for the first time, uh, definitely tell us what you think. Um, But I think this is one of those moments, those pop culture moments of like, everyone remembers the first time they saw it and, uh, and and what they thought and, and uh, you know, where, where they went to in their head after, after they saw this one, this, uh, the, the sort of big, powerful uh, emotional ending of this episode. So definitely want to hear everyone's reactions, everyone's theories um, uh, and what you thought about this. Um all right, so let's see. Uh as always, you can email us, including tell us what you th- what you thought so we can talk about it next episode. Uh tell us what you thought of Deus Ex Machina at rewatchpodcast at gmail.com uh or you can follow us on Twitter or send us your comments at uh at ReWatch Podcast. The show notes for this episode and every episode, including my terrible, terrible Firefly commercial, are available at rewatchpodcast.com. Uh, Thank you to Steve Fobwash Kim for our work. Thanks to Dose One for our theme music. You can check out his work, including his ringtone of the month, at doseone.bandcamp.com. And we will see you next week as we watch a fantastic episode of Lost, Deus Ex Machina. chat. Hang on, i got to put in the show notes here. Put the uh, Smash Mouth. All the show notes are about Smash Mouth Firefly. That's
1: fine. That's All
0: right. Welcome to uh, Rewatch Podcast, a podcast about loss and mm-hmm. a Smash Mouth fan mm-hmm. podcast. Uh, this week we're really walking on the sun, Patrick. Ugh. All right. So you mentioned that the the, the
1: creator said, well, we're not going to answer what the numbers are. But they totally answer what the numbers are. No, they don't. Yes they do. No they don't. The numbers are the candidates.
0: No. Oh. Sort of. Yes. But it's the like the Valenzetti equation too. The numbers are, you are a- sure.
1: Yeah, they don't, no, they, don't no, no, no. they don't explain the numbers. The numbers, power the, numbers of the numbers
0: aren't anything. The numbers are But they're
1: assigned It's 8 15 16 no, 20, 20 another co- It's another are, coincidence. No, Jacob assigns them
0: those numbers. No, but it's another coincidence. It's just he, those just happen to be their numbers. I suppose. It it's I'm telling you there's no uh there's no answer here to i mean yeah
1: they don't say like they are imbued with god's power Ow.
0: yeah right it's like yeah that's the thing it's like they don't say whether the no- they, you could watch the whole series and just be like well even if you the jacob all the mystical jacob bullshit this spoiler yeah even all the on, mystical jacob on. bullshit
1: before drawing them Jacob observed these candidates using a lighthouse. The lighthouse's mirrors displayed a different candidate's life with each degree that its dial turned. The numbers 4, 8, 15, 16, yeah, but just, and 40 do you correspond with what turned out to be the final six but candidates. But it's
0: just random. But that's okay. But that's just random. What about the Valenzetti equation, where the world was going to end Through the based numbers, on as numbers? As Damon
1: Lindelof put it, were lo- around long before the early 60s. Mathematician so, was it Valenzetti. Valenzetti, Valenzetti, used them in the 1960s in a mathematical equation. The Valenzetti equation aimed to pre- predict the end of humanity and the numbers formed its coefficients. The Dharma Initiative, a scientific venture, conducted research to change one of these coefficients, extending the species' lifespan. That, I always thought that was a weird thing they never got into that much, was the idea that the Dharma Initiative was essentially about stopping the apocalypse.
0: You know what? It's like, it's one of these things where it's an interesting thread that lost picks up they flirt with and like oh this is a cool story idea and they they, it never goes anywhere this was from a bad period of the show's history where well
1: and so well and but also very specifically like the stuff about the the equation came from the in-between season alternate reality games they were playing during the summer okay so that's where we learned about the equation um and it tying into the numbers was was during that and i think this is this is when they got too cute which was like They were getting close to midichlorian territory, and Mm -hmm. I think it went too far in just let it be random. Like I thought I was always fine with it just being completely random, and then once you got into – like let's give people something to do with some additional context. So so here's my – let me
0: tell you my headcanon, what I always wanted the uh numbers to be. I always wanted the numbers to be – so I always – I assumed from the beginning that there was something where the island was moving through time and space. That it was possibly relating to aliens or some sort of sci-fi premise, but I, and I,
1: it, in some ways you're still right. Like it, 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 it exists with outside of normal time and
0: space. A little bit, it, a little bit. Yeah, it's more of like an electromagnetic. Well, effect it can with warp the time. Slowing. It, can, I'm not, it can. It can, Yeah, I'm not clear on that. But anyway, the, the I, I mean, I want. I thought that was the whole thing. Was the island was basically this like secret paradise where if you went there, you wouldn't age and you would heal your mm-hmm. things because it was timeless, and that there was like the others. Were this secret? Were this ancient people that protected the secrets of the island, and they lived there agelessly, like uh, Richard uh, uh, Albert, because uh, they knew the secrets of the island or whatever. Or and Guardians, they, and they were like a secret order. Essentially, they were like like stonemasons, or you know, like, like or, if
1: this got out, it would fuck up everything. So we yeah, just kind of yeah, they're just like it. a
0: secret order. And I always thought that the number the numbers were very simply like essentially. I, I didn't know if it was coordinates or whatever, but it was a way to find the island when it's constantly moving around, and that if you had that secret knowledge, you had some power. Mm-hmm. You know, there was some sort of power that you had in association with the island, and they that that's why they tried to keep the numbers out. And I, I never needed anything more than that. But anyway, my explanation was way better than what the show came up with, and uh, I should have been writing this. All right.
1: Uh, so we got a couple. Got oh, one. can I ask
0: you my thing about the ca- the baby cage? Yeah. Okay. So. Now I'm trying to watch the season with the I- – so when I watch the season you know the first 50 times, I watch it with the idea that Locke is the coolest fucking character in the world and they just forgot how to write him and he became – and he started sucking later. Um, but now I'm watching it with this idea that he was – the man in black was manipulating him all along and he was sort mm-hmm. of secretly this evil chaotic character um, and, and he's, he looks – he seems cool but he's actually uh, – set up as the bad guy from the beginning but in a, in a more sneaky way. Yeah. And it is really interesting. I had always read seen that that thing where he builds the cradle for Claire as very touching and genuine and like wow, what a great Locke is a great guy. He should really be in charge. But there, it's a little creepy because— and, it, well, and also
1: in the larger context of when they ruin the Claire character, mm-hmm. but like in that arc where they do do that, where she's under the Man in Black's spell, more or less, mm-hmm. um, and she t- turns into like a weird recluse in the, mm-hmm. in the jungle, I, that all can only happen because Locke is essentially bringing people under his wing, which is the Man in Black bringing people under his wing in yeah. the larger meta story that's playing out. But you don't realize so like,
0: later. He so he's building the cradle, right? And it's like, wow, this is so nice. He's making a cradle for Claire for her birthday. But he's also like, you know, Claire, I know you. Um, you don't remember anything about being kidnapped, and you don't want to talk about it. But what happened when you were kidnapped? Yeah, like immediately. And you and I. It, it always struck me as like, I was like, yeah, a lock's going to get some answers. Like we're going to find out what the hell's going on. But now it's like I'm like. Man, Locke, that is really creepy. Like, you want that information, and you've gone through this whole thing to get Claire to trust you so you can privately interrogate mm-hmm. her about the others. Yeah. Because we know he's thinking about what's out there. Yeah. So very creepy, very manipulative, possibly. Or not. Maybe Locke's just awesome. I can't tell.
1: Uh, got a couple of things from Justin Moss. He uh, thanks us for reading his emails. Uh, he uh, has a couple of points about some spoiler stuff. Uh, All the on-island apparitions are the man in black testing the candidates and or trying to find a loophole to disqualify them. He's right. Uh, Dave being the best example, since Hurley is a pure character, <coughs> Excuse me, he can't be corrupted to the Man in Black, as Dave tries to convince Hurley to kill himself, thus removing him from Jacob's candidate
0: list. Huh. Uh, That's cool.
1: The Man in Black can take the form of anybody dead or alive, including animals, though he prefers dead people because they can't interfere with his plans. That is also a really good point. Uh, it's doubtfully planned on Locke's body returning to the island. Yep. He picks his form based on what would have been the greatest effect on the target. The reason I say he can take the form of the living is because I personally believe the ghost Walt was to... Was the man in black to orchestrate the death of Shannon? Walt has some psychic tendencies that I don't quite fully understand, so uh, I don't know if I'm correct in my estimata- estimata- eh, estimation of Ghost Walt. Though it seems to make more sense the overall narrative than the man in black can take the form of the living. The Hurley bird. Whoa, whoa, whoa,
0: Ghost Walt!
1: Remember when uh, Shannon's like hearing like see, once Walt is gone, like he's like. Walt, like there's those creepy scenes where, like, Walt has, like, water, like, on him. Oh, uh, do you right. remember that? They're, yeah. One of the creepier shot stuff in the uh, show.
0: Shannon dies in the end of season two, right? Shannon and I Libby think get so. shot. I think is so. that right?
1: How does Shannon gets stabbed? By who? How? I don't know. I think it's an accident. I think it's an accident. Shannon. Uh, you looked that up. i will keep going. Three, okay. uh, the Hurley bird. Personally, don't believe it said his name. New man in charge answers why the bird was on the island. Does it? What? New man in charge is that epilogue. Uh, mm. on one of the Blu-rays. Uh, four, which we already talked about, the whispers being the souls that can't move on. And, uh, <sighs> that's it, unless you want to look up... A, just cr- she was got.
0: shot in the stomach yeah. by Anna Lucia, who thought she was one of the others. Oh, worst character on the show. Okay, not quite, but pretty bad character. Okay,
1: well, that's it. We'll, oh, uh, right,
0: I remember that. We'll she see. dies a few episodes before Libby dies. Mm. Who kills Libby? Walt. No, not Walt. Michael. <laughs> no. Sorry. The other one. Michael. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and someone else, right? Libby and someone else gets shot. Someone else. I don't remember. What happens when Michael gets, goes on a rampage? Well, he does it to get Walt back. All right. He's going for Walt. Okay. All right. I, 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 maybe we got to watch season two. We'll get there. All right. Okay. Bye, everyone.